I learned it. I was probably in junior high when I realized, okay, because I, I always wanted to get out of Mississippi and I was trying to think how I could do that. And it was in junior high that I was like playing on the varsity soccer team that everybody was like, oh, you're going to play in college. And I started thinking about it. I'm like, all right, this is my ticket out of Mississippi. All right, I'm going to get really good at soccer. So um, I, I'm very used to, uh, I don't want to say pain, but like, you know, endurance sports. I've run marathons and then soccer, you know, two a days in the Mississippi heat every single summer. You just kind of learn what hard work feels like and not just quitting when you get uncomfortable. So definitely a lot of the stuff that I learned just psychologically, just how to push through stuff from athletics has definitely translated over to the entrepreneurship world. Well, I was not prepared for that answer, (laughs) but, but I love it. I I love that. And like I said, at the beginning, when I was asking the question, it's sometimes our preparation comes from most unlikely places. In today's ultra-competitive business world, being a successful entrepreneur or business owner can be very challenging. Fortunately, contemporary times have blessed us with resources for tackling those challenges and getting us to success more quickly than we could have imagined. Welcome to The Root of All Success with The Real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs grow incredible companies. This podcast looks at the five keys to unlocking success as an entrepreneur. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason's mission is to use his gifts of teaching and leadership to help others get the results they want out of life. Join Jason every week and learn the keys to grow a truly successful business. Well, welcome back to another episode of The Root of All Success. We release this episode every Tuesday morning, and I want to say how grateful I am that you're listening. Really, really, I am. Thank you for listening. Thank you for taking the time to do it. And uh, I don't listen to all of my shows, but I do listen to them. And I'm really amazed at how good the guests are. You guys have recommended some of the most amazing guests. And I love doing this show because I get to talk to some great guests. So I I love that you're here. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for leaving me five-star review. And I know every podcast you listen to uh, tells you thank you for that or go play, hey go subscribe and how many times have you listened and you didn't do it so for whatever it's worth if you could hit the pause button right now and then go and subscribe and leave that quick five-star review if you think it's worth it and uh, that helps me out so much more than you can ever imagine it's not just for ego it's actually for for the way that we get this podcast out to more people so please go leave a review and, uh, and, and, and subscribe. Also, if you don't watch this on YouTube or C-Suite TV, you can go watch us on youtube.com slash the real Jason Duncan. And you can see our guests today and all the guests. And, and uh, today I'm coming to you live from my home studio in Gallatin, Tennessee, just north of Nashville on a cold January day. This one was not being released until February, but it'll be cold then too. <laughs> so let me introduce today's guest. Today's guest was named one of Wall Street Journal's top 100 and Newsweek's top 500 agents in the year 2020. And her team, the Short Term Shop, which we're going to talk a lot about today, was named to the Wall Street Journal top 50 teams in 2021. And I think uh, you'll hear her say, I think she says that they're number 12 in the country. And that's pretty phenomenal. But she and her team at the Short Term Shop uh, focus exclusively on vacation rentals and short-term rentals and the clients who buy those. And she sold over just last year in 2021, they did 1,025 transactions for over $650 million in one year. And she did, she's done over a billion dollars since they started in 2017. And you're going to hear her say that they're on track this year, 2022, to do a billion in a single year. Listen, folks, you got to pay attention to this lady. She's amazing. An investor herself with a portfolio of over 105 properties, she specializes in connecting investors with short-term rentals with the highest ROI potential. And then she trains them and she trains them to manage them from their smartphone from anywhere in the world. Avery Carl is a beast. She is amazing. And I'm so glad to have her on the show. Well, Avery, welcome to the show. I'm so honored that you're here. It's going to be a great conversation. Thanks so much for having me. Well, um, you know, I always say that your network is your net worth. And I love how we get, I get connected to some of the coolest people doing this show. 
And you and I were connected through our marketing company to Market Media. And we had our first conversation uh, like nine months ago. And, and now finally, here we are doing the show, but I've become a fan of your show. You've got a, you've got a podcast talk, talk before we get into the meat of our discussion, what tell everybody about your podcast and what you do with your podcast. Oh yeah. Yeah. So uh, my podcast is called the short-term show and it is all about investing in short-term rentals. We interview different short-term rental investors or people who have businesses surrounding short-term rental investing that makes it easier. So we get CPAs on there, um, you know, attorneys, people who, yeah. Whenever people want advice on what they need to do about X involving short-term rentals, we yeah. So the short-term show you can find that on any of the podcast players, just like you're listening to this show on a podcast player. And she interviews some really cool people. I was listening to a couple of your episodes yesterday, and uh, there was a guy who was active military, and uh, I think he owned seven or eight doors, and they were providing really good cash flow, and he had a lot of equity built up in them. And it was interesting to see here how he how he positioned himself over the years and did it wrong and then figured out how to do it right. And I think what's interesting about what you do is that you show people like that guy, I can't remember his name, but like that guy that they have this idea, they want to do something, but they're doing it all wrong. And it's not that it's not that it's wrong in terms of they're doing anything illegal. It's just, they're not maximizing the ROI, the return on that investment. So, and that's what you specialize in. So I want to ask you this to get started. Um, how did you go looking back into your life? When did you have the first inkling that you were going to be in the entrepreneurial world? Was it as a kid, a teenager? Was it as an adult? When did that happen and how did it go? Uh, so I guess it was probably when I was an adult. So I, uh, I graduated undergrad from University of Texas in 2009, which was the absolute worst time to graduate in the history of the American economy. There were no jobs. And so I was playing in bands and touring in bands. So I did that for a little while longer and, uh, and bartended until about 2013. And I told myself, all right, you know what? Jobs are back. It's time to go get your master's and like, let's be a real person here and go, let's start a career. And I thought that was the right thing to do. And on my third corporate job in as many years and my second performance improvement plan, which those of you who don't know what a performance improvement plan is, it's basically a 30 day notice that if you don't get your act together, you're going to get fired. You're getting uh, fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So on my third one, I was like, you know what? Uh, maybe it's not my bosses that are jerks. Maybe I'm just not good at this employee thing. And that was my first inkling. I kind of thought like, looking back at like my parents and my grandparents, none of them had corporate jobs. They all had their own businesses. And I'm like, well, you know, I guess I didn't really have a, a role model that was a corporate employee. So let me just try this entrepreneur thing. So it was the getting fired or getting close to getting fired several times in a row that made me think, well, you know what, this is you, you're not a good employee. So let's do something else. <laughs> what, what job, what were you doing? What was your, what was your corporate gig? So I have an MBA with a focus in marketing and my first First one was actually sales. My second one was for a big email marketing company that does all the big emails for like, if you're on the Walmart list, like that was my client, uh, Sam's Club, Marriott Hotels, places like that. And then my third one was in the music business. So I was a marketing manager for a publishing company in Nashville. Is that how you get into Nashville? Because I think you have a you have a phone number that I'm familiar with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So don't live in Nashville anymore, but we did live there for about seven years. And uh, we moved to Nashville from New York City and got my master's at Belmont. And then all three of those jobs were in Nashville. Wow. So, you, so you've been New York. Uh, you were living in Texas while you were doing your undergrad, Nashville. And now you're in Florida, right? You're living down on the Emerald Coast. Yes, yes. That's beautiful down there. We just recently discovered it down there. Honestly, we've had my wife started going to Gulf Shores, which I don't know if that's technically technically the Emerald Coast, but she started going to Gulf Shores with her sister and her mom and, and our daughter as kind of a fall girls trip about, I don't know, eight or nine years ago, maybe not that long ago, but they started going and I, I'm not a beach person, so I never was interested in going. So I would go ride my motorcycle in the mountains. I'd do whatever while they were doing that. But about three years ago, two or three years ago, we, we made our uh, venture down to Destin and took our RV for the first time uh, and down to the coast. And I, I had a blast and we ended up going all the way down 38, went all the way to Panama City. 
So you live in a beautiful, beautiful part of the world. So it's a little different than New York City right now, huh? Yes, it is. Although all <laughs> the New Yorkers are moving here. <laughs> That's right. It's good. We, we just hope that they're, uh, they're uh, refugees and not ambassadors, right? <laughs> 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 so let's talk, let's talk uh, entrepreneurship. So you had the first inkling that you were going to go into entrepreneurship because you weren't very good as an employee. And I, I concur with that because right now, if I had to go work somewhere, I'd be a terrible employee. And after owning my own business for so long, um, was real estate the first thing you attempted to get into or was there something else? It was real estate. And that kind of happened at the same time that my last job was starting during and ending. Uh, we bought our first investment property while I was at that job. And then our second and then our third is the one that said, that made it to where, okay, I can quit this job and figure out what I'm going to do off of these three investment properties, which ended up being selling investment properties and then buying more investment properties and just being a real estate investor and then having the short-term shop. Who was your, who was the person that, uh, that kind of gave you the idea that getting into real estate was a good, was something good? Did you watch an infomercial late at night? Did you have somebody that you were looking up to? How did you, why real estate? Well, we kind of, we being my husband and I kind of, backed into it. So when we moved from New York to Nashville, obviously I didn't have my license yet. Uh, we went to buy a house and our real estate agent at the time said, Oh, you want to buy an East Nashville? Uh, it's appreciating so fast. Your house will be worth a hundred thousand dollars more than what you buy it for next year. And we said, uh, no, thanks. We're coming from New York city. We're sick of neighbors. We're moving to Tennessee. We want to be out in the country. So we bought something out in the country, but we thought, well, you know, we have a little money left, so maybe we should buy one of those properties and and see what happens. And I mean, I can go into that as in as much detail as you want, but basically we had no idea what we were doing in terms of real estate investing and bought something knowing nothing. Uh, but luckily, and it, it was just outside East Nashville in Madison, but it ended up being a really, really good one. And then over the course of the first few months of getting those rent checks, we thought, okay, this is something that we want to make a business out of. This is a lot of money to us that we're getting monthly and let's buy some more of these. So then we started educating ourselves on um, real estate investing. And I got my license over the course of that time, A, uh, so that I could collect those commissions because I was not making any money. I was making $37,000 a year at my corporate job. And also because my husband is a terrible client. And I was constantly <laughs> apologizing to the agents that we were working with. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. He's a New Yorker. Like we're in the South now I'm a Southerner. So I'm like always over apologizing for inconveniencing anyone in any way. And he's over here, like breaking people's knees. And I'm like, oh my God. so I just got, <laughs> just got my license for that, but that's how it kind of evolved. So you get into real estate kind of accidentally, which I love that story. Cause I consider myself an accidental entrepreneur as well. Um, so you got in accidentally, but you thought, wait a minute, I'm making money and I'm not really having to do that much. And I don't want to downplay the fact that real, I don't want to make it sound like real estate. You don't have to ever do anything, but um, in terms of income potential versus action, you know, things that you have to do, it's, it's pretty high on income versus action, I think. And that's why people are attracted to it. So you did that. What year was that where you had that property in Madison? That was 2016 that we bought that. Cool. So we're not talking that long ago. So what was that six years ago? I mean, that, that's not that long ago. And uh, as I said in the intro, you know, just this past year in 2021, you did over a thousand transactions and sold over $650 million. So you went from accidentally being a landlord and owning an investment property in, in Nashville, the Nashville area, to now having 105 doors, hundred and two thousand transactions last year that did you even imagine that that was a possibility i mean was it a goal plan that you said you were going to do or is this kind of like you just pinch me i'm i'm enjoying life it's more of a pinch me thing so when you get into real estate i mean if you're as a real estate agent 10 deals a year is considered a really good like that's a good agent and to build a team and do a thousand that's like people don't do a thousand. There are very, very few teams in the country that do. We're actually, I think the number 12 team in the country right now. And we're the only one that doesn't sell primary homes. So it's, it's something that kind of hasn't been done before. And I didn't set out to say, well, I'm going to do something that nobody's ever done before. I just kind of followed what I knew about what my expertise were. And it became this big thing. Well, listen, I haven't had a ton of people on the show that could say they've sold a billion dollars of anything. 
<laughs> and and you you started in 1617 and you've sold a billion dollars. So I want to take a moment to let that sink in for the listeners that I'm talking to Avery Carl and she's with the short-term shop and they've done a billion dollars in sales. I mean that and it's only in short-term rentals and vacation rentals which is as you said is a completely different market than primary residential home sales which is what most realtors are in. Um why do you think um well let, me, well, let me back this up. What do you think it means? What does the word success mean to you? If you think about, because I would say, and I think the listeners hearing this would say, yeah, you're very successful, very successful with a B, you know, billion. Like that's a, that's a, that's a cool, cool thing to say. But what do you think success is? In your own words, what does success mean? For me, it is being financially independent enough to have the freedom of time. So like after I get off this podcast, I can keep working on things. I've always got a list of things I need to do for work or I can go take my kids to the park. That's success to me. I love it. So with that as a definition, uh, do you consider yourself a successful person? Yes. <laughs> Short and sweet. I love it. I think I, I love the I love the confidence. And every time I ask that question to guests on the show, I get I get this mixture of well, fifty percent of them might say, "Well, yeah, I think I'm," I, you know, and the other be like, "Yes, hell yeah, I'm successful." <laughs> and I and I well, I mean, the numbers don't lie. And and the fact that you define success as freedom of time, I, I really. I'm with you on that because in my goals that I set in, in 2020, you know, we were all trying to figure out what the world's going to be. So I was setting down, I was reading the seven habits of highly effective people and I was setting goals. And one of my primary goals in life is to have complete freedom over time, energy, and money. And I'm not there yet. I'm working towards it very diligently, which is why I'm working with you to help me get into the short-term space. So I don't want this show to be about me. I want it to be about you, but I am just to let everybody know uh, I believe in you enough to not only invite you to the show, but I'm I'm ready to double down on short term stuff. We got some cool stuff, cool ideas. Mm -hmm. What's uh, tell me tell me a cool story of how you failed miserably in a short term rental that you bought or you sold? I, people need to hear that. Okay, a billion dollar salesperson also made a mistake and that you recovered from it. So tell, can you think of one that you're like, man, yeah, I screwed this one up? <laughs> um, so I haven't had any like horrific failures yet. Um, I would say most of my failures come from inaction. Like there are several properties that come to mind that are painful for me to think about that Luke and I, my husband got under contract on and like decided halfway through, Hey, you know, I think this is, we're going to get a little in over our heads on this. We don't want to go through with it. And it wasn't that there was anything wrong with the property necessarily, but we were like, uh, you know, there's just one too many things about this one. I think we're just going to terminate that. Now I'm like, we would have cash flowed great on that. And it's worth three times what it was when we had it under contract. And that would have been cool to not do, <laughs> to not fall out of contract on. So we haven't taken any actions that we've regretted, but it's some, there's some been, been some inactions that I definitely think are failures. I think that's, that's the coolest part. I think I, and I tell this to my coaching clients all the time. I, I say, if you lined up a hundred entrepreneurs, just a hundred side by side, and you said, are your regrets related to actions that you took that were wrong or inactions that you, and all 99 out of the hundred would say inaction. It was something that I didn't do that I should have done. And that one person might say, yeah, I, I screwed up while doing X. And I love that because I, I feel like that the, the root, which is the root of all success, success is about action. I can teach you as a coach. You can teach me as my coach in short-term rentals, but if we don't act on it, there's no magic. Nothing happens. Now let's flip that Avery on the other side. So we talked about a failure with an action. What's one of the coolest stories that you can remember being in real estate about whether it was a huge profit that you unexpectedly made, or there was a family that you affected in a way that you didn't expect, or what, 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 what do you think about when I ask that question? I mean, there have been quite a few families that have really changed their, like changed the trajectory of their families' uh, lives by buying short-term rentals. And uh, there've been several times over the course of the year, years that, uh, you know, we will be finished with the transaction. We've taught them how to manage it. So they're ready to go. They're like rocking and you don't hear from them for a few months. And then out of the blue, I'll get a text or an email from them saying, Hey, I just wanted to thank you so much because the income from this has allowed 
me to stay home with my parent who's at, you know, an end of life care or has allowed one spouse to be able to stay home with the kids and, and not have to do daycare. And um, there's just been a number of different uh, stories like that, where people have said, Hey, like you really helped me change something. And I really appreciate that. So that, that will never get old. I love, I love that the focus of your answer there was about how people have been affected. Cause I look at wealth creating the creation of generational wealth through whatever means, whether it's real estate or business or uh, cryptocurrency, whatever you're doing, you're happen to be in, in real estate, but whatever it is, the creation of that wealth is not for your own um, your own benefit, although that is one of the reasons you do it. But the fact that we get to change the world, uh, I mean, when you sell a billion dollars of real estate or 650 million in one year, you're changing lives and, and you're making an impact on this world that, that uh, is, is never going to be undone. So congratulations to you on that success. Um, and I'm so happy that we know each other and I'm really excited about getting started uh, with you and your team. I, I've already talked with uh, somebody on your team, with, you know, a real estate agent on your team. We, we went and looked at some places um, last weekend while we were down in Florida and we're going to look at some places in Tennessee and uh, talk to one of your, because you also, you don't only have the short-term shop, you've also got the mortgage shop too. And I've talked to somebody over there. You want to talk a little bit about your, your empire that you're building around short-term rentals? Yes. Yes. So uh, I, last year, we started a mortgage arm called the mortgage shop because all of our clients, our buyer clients were running around trying to find what the best product for short-term rentals as far as lending is and what they could get. And they're having to call all these people and like, can't get hold of anybody. And, you know, they're all confused because they have a hundred different people they're trying to get a hold of. So we have done our best and it's constantly a work in progress to bring all of those loan products that are most commonly used and the best tools to invest in short-term rentals under one roof and in-house. So it's like, oh, what do you need? You need uh, a conventional loan. We have that. You need a DSCR loan, like an asset-based loan. Oh, cool. We have that too. And it's all under one roof so that everybody can quickly get to what they need. So you've got the mortgage company now under your umbrella. You've got the short-term shop, which is the real estate. Is that the actual name of the real estate agency that you have? Or is there, is there a different name for that? Yeah. So we are technically a team. The short-term shop is a real estate team that is brokered by EXP. So I have to say that or else I get in trouble. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so yeah. Okay. So the real estate sales side is the short-term shop. The mortgage side is separate, obviously from that and is the mortgage shop. So you've got the mortgage and you've got the short-term shop. So what about, what, when was it that you made the decision that short-term was going to be your thing versus long-term rentals like you did on that original property in Madison? So I actually own, of the 105 doors that I have, eight of them are short-terms. I am definitely not somebody, there's a lot of short-term people out there. They're like, short-terms are the right and only way. It has to be short-terms. I don't agree with that. I think a diverse portfolio is 100% essential. And I look at short-term rentals as like little cash flow turbochargers to help you get to a larger portfolio faster. Now there's the good thing about real estate investing is there's no wrong way to do it. There are people out there that have only long terms. There are people out there that have only short terms and neither one of those things are wrong, but I like to have a little bit of everything because you never know what's going to happen. Uh, COVID being a good example of that. We thought in the first round of COVID in February, 2020, we were like, ah, oh, crap. There go the short terms. Here it is. It's finally here. The short terms are going down. But good thing we have all these long terms because we don't have to worry about it. If the short terms go down. Well, actually, it ended up being the opposite that we needed to worry about. The short term shut down for two weeks and then everybody was so sick of being in their houses that our doors blew off and we made more money uh, than we ever have in short terms because everybody was dying to get out of their houses. And so they were renting all of our properties. Uh, but we had to worry about our long terms with the eviction moratorium. So it was the opposite. So you never know what's going to happen or which asset class is going to be affected. So I think it's good to have a little bit of everything, but you're using the short terms to buy more long terms or more short terms, just more real estate period. Are all your long terms, are they single family residences or any multifamily? A mix of both. So uh, we just started in multifamily last year. So we have three apartment buildings. They're two 12 units and one 26 unit. Everything else is a single family or a duplex long-term. Okay. So what's interesting about uh, my, my journey through the real estate thing as, a, as an entrepreneur who's, who's been successful in businesses, building businesses and you know, make, build, building just businesses, from not, not real estate, but other businesses. 
when I started int- introducing myself into the real estate concept, multifamily was the thing I was most interested in. So I was doing all of the, I was reading all the books about it. I was listening to the podcast about it. Everything's multifamily. And I wanted to buy an apartment complex, but I couldn't hardly see straight. But somewhere, somewhere in that journey, you know, I, I guess I got too many, too many times of cold feet before I pulled the trigger on making an offer on an apartment complex. The, we, my wife and I had this conversation about short-term rentals and we just wanted to buy a couple in places where we liked to vacation anyway, so that it would be there anyway. Not that we would use it all the time, but it would be there. And then we, I mean, we had a conversation and it's a credit attributed to her. I give her the credit for this, but she said, rather than going buy another business, cause we're looking at doing that. Why don't we, why don't we invest in some short-term rentals and just make that our thing? And I said, wow, that's a, that's a great idea. So, uh, but I love your focus that it's not just short-term that you can do long-term and short-term to have that diverse portfolio, because had you not had that COVID might've been a completely different, uh, a different uh, experience for you. So let me, let me do this. So Avery on my show, um, I've got this theory and I share this theory with my guests and my, my listeners are very familiar with it. I've got this theory that there are these five keys to success that every entrepreneur who's reached some level of success has used to unlock that. So for you, you've unlocked, you know, just last year, over half a billion dollars in sales, a thousand transactions. You've got, you've got a lot of success in real estate. So you unlock that somehow. And I believe that these five keys that I want to list for you and get your feedback on were, were probably present and they have been in every guest I've ever had on the show. So I want to go through those one at a time and see what you think. Okay. Is that cool? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So the so here's what they are. So I'll start with the first one. The first key to unlock success, I my theory is that it's passion. And most people when they hear me say that, they think that I mean you have to love it and be excited about it. And while that is a, a, a something important, I don't that's not what I mean. If you actually look at the root word of passion, it means willing to endure for a cause. And so that's why for those of us who follow Jesus, we know that the last week of his life on earth was called the passion week, you know, that and, and I always wondered. Why do we call it that? Because he didn't seem very excited about it, <laughs> but he was willing to suffer. So that's what it means. So in the story of your success, you becoming such a successful real estate mogul, um, where do you see willingness to endure, which we call passion in your stories or specific place where thing, you know, your chip your back was up against the wall and all the chips were down. You're like, I, I, I'm going to push through because I think it's worth it. Did passion play a part of your success? We're going to take a break from our show right now to bring you our sponsors. All right. Thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now back to the show. Yes, absolutely. Especially in the beginning when the saving of down payments was a painful process because we didn't start with a lot. So, uh, I mean, I put us on a, my husband will say he put us, but it was not him, uh, (laughs) on a $20 a day budget for 18 months. So that wasn't including bills and mortgage and everything, but just like, this is what we're spending on food and gas. And that's it. Uh, 18 months of that. And um, to, to save for our first down payment. So it, without having done that one, two, three rounds of down payments, we might never have gotten started. Yeah. Well, so, so what were the down payment amounts and percentages back then when you got started? Were, were oh, they- my goodness. Uh, yeah. So that was to buy that first property, which we bought for 122,000. So it was a 20, 20% down payment on that. So whatever that comes out to. Yeah. 20 something thousand dollars. Yeah. Wow. So, so you're making 37 grand. You didn't say what Luke was making, but that it is Luke, right? Am I getting yeah, Luke. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, so Luke, so you didn't say what he's making. That's none of our business, but it, but let's suffice it to say you weren't rolling in the dough, but no. you somehow be able to scrape through your passion, pushed you through to endure to say, we're going to save this money, doggone it. We're going to buy that house. And six years later, you've done that a billion, <laughs> a billion times. Okay, so that's cool. So I see passion in there. Now, the second, the second key to success is being in the right place at the right time. And you'll notice that all the all the keys start with the letter P. So passion and place, right place, right time. And, and, and I'm not meaning dumb luck where you just happen to actually be there, but you probably made your own luck. But where was the right place, right time for you? It sounds, I, I've, I've got a couple of clues based on your story, but I want to see what you think. Well, for us, um, I mean, if I had tried to get to, to sell or to buy short-term rentals, even like 10 years earlier, even like three or four years earlier, it may not have worked because it was really the inception of Airbnb that made short-term rental investing a viable asset. Whereas before Airbnb, there was VRBO, but it wasn't 
it didn't like come on the scene quite as fast. It didn't hit quite as hard. Uh, it was just really difficult to be able to make money with a vacation rental because you had to put them on the local property managers, which charged 25 to 40%. So it was definitely very much just like the right point in history that we happened to to buy something and then the even like getting even more of a granular granular level so when we bought our first short-term rental the reason we did that the reason we chose that and the reason we chose the smoky mountains for our first ones because we lived in nashville we had just been on vacation to the smokies and uh we thought well we have this one little down payment left so what can we buy that's going to make us the most amount of money the fastest so that we can buy the most real estate you know more real estate faster and we didn't want to do that in Nashville. We landed on short-term rentals because it, they cash flow harder. So we didn't want to do it in Nashville because the, the regulations are just constantly changing. We didn't want to have to deal with that. So we said, well, where can we invest that it's the normal thing for people to just go rent a single family home? And so we said, oh, we just came from the Smokies for a vacation. Like everybody goes there to stay in cabins and somebody owns those cabins. Why not us? So that's where we went. That's what we bought first. And so- couple of right places, right times, probably more well, than that. Well, so that's the thing. I, I think that people listening to the show, entrepreneurs out there who are, can't figure out what's the next thing, they're not paying attention. And I really think that paying attention is a big key to success, even though it's not one of my five keys. I think that it's, you got to know where you're at, what place in the time and time, what place physically and geographically are you where you can capitalize on that? And you took you know, you had nothing to do with the timing and like the, the era that you lived in, but you did pay attention to what place. And I like that you said, well, where are people, where is it normal for people to do the thing that we want to do in Gatlinburg, Smoky Mountains, Pigeon Forge, Sevierville, all the, you know, for those of us that are in this area, we know what that looks like and what that means. And you're right. It's like, I don't know if anybody lives there. Every time I run into somebody says, yeah, I live in Gatlinburg. I'm like, really? I didn't know anybody lived in Gatlinburg. Everybody, everybody's from somewhere else. Okay. So you got passion, you got place, right? Place, right time. Now the third, the third key is people. It's knowing the right people. So who are who have been the right people in your life that actually pushed you to the success you experienced today? Oh, my husband, for sure. Um, I, I have great ideas all day long, but he's the trigger guy. He's the person that like, even if it's not a good idea, he's just going to do it. If he gets an idea, it's done. And I'm like, well, no, like, let me just figure this out really fast and make sure I can do this. So I will end up without him. I'm just a list of ideas that never get done. And he's the one that's like, all right, let's do it. We're done. We did it. <laughs> so definitely my husband. So kudos to Luke for being uh, being a, uh, a big, important part of your success. Now, you said earlier in your story when you were kind of analyzing the fact that you were on this performance improvement plan for the third time and maybe employee life wasn't your thing. You mentioned that your parents and grandparents, if I remember what you said, had businesses of their own. Is that right? Yeah. So what businesses were they in? My dad is a chiropractor and then my grandfather on both sides. So my mom's dad is an actuary and he has his own actuarial business and they service a bunch of different insurance companies in the Southeast. And then my other grandfather on my dad's side was kind of like a, a serial entrepreneur. He had several different businesses over the course of his life, but they were always surrounding uh, like industrial, like he had a, a cooling tower company. And then now they still have one called um, Delta Centrifugal. It's in Texas and they basically make cylindrical machine parts. And um, that's really all I know about it. But like they, I, we did, there was never somebody that in my family that was like, oh yeah, I guess I'm going to go off to my corporate job today. Hope my boss says that I'm doing a good job. So did they ever encourage you before you went into entrepreneurship? Did they ever say, hey, you really should think about doing your own thing or, or did that ever come up? It never really came up. It was definitely encouraged. Like you're everybody in the family is going to college. We're paying for this. You guys are doing this. And um, I mean, there was never any pushback on that. Everybody wanted to go. But uh, it was just like you're going to college and you're going to get a job or start like it was never like oh, maybe you want to try and start your own business instead of doing this. Our parents were very encouraging about us doing what, what we wanted to do, which I just kind of thought, I guess, because of society that, oh, I need to just go get a corporate job. It kind of seemed like even though I didn't have a role model who had a corporate job, it just seemed like that was what I was supposed to do. So I just did it. it entrepreneurship kind of seemed like something that other people do. 
Yeah. Well, and that, that's kind of weird. I, I think that you, as you mentioned who your biggest person to push you to success, you mentioned your husband first thing, but I think that your parents and grandparents probably had more influence on you than you give them credit for. Not that you're discrediting them, but right. I think that if you really think through that, just growing up in a, in a family where you saw people doing it, even though it wasn't overtly encouraged, um, you know, who knows, who knows how much that influenced you. If they'd all been, you know, managers at the grocery store, it might, it might be a, a different story. How many siblings do you have? Two. I have a younger sister and a younger brother. And are either of them uh, entrepreneurs at this point? Uh, my sister has a corporate job, but she does have like a side online business. And then my brother is in the military, actually. Okay. Well, cool. Well, uh, he's, is he career military? Is he going to be coming out or is he like entrepreneurship still options for him? So he's 23 and he was top of his class in biomedical engineering. He was going to be a doctor. And I think he just was like, you know, I don't want to just go to Mississippi state. We grew up in Starkville, Mississippi, where Mississippi state university is. So that's where everybody goes to school. I did not. Go to school there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I went to university of Texas, but I think my brother was like, I don't want to just, he got out of school and was like, okay, well, my next, next thing I'm going to do here is take my MCAT and go to probably a UMC university medical or whatever it's, whatever the medical school in Tennessee, in Mississippi is. I don't even know. Uh, and I think he was just like, I don't want to just live in Mississippi my whole life and like go straight into being a doctor. I want to like have some adventure. So he's doing special forces in the military. I think he'll, my guess is after five years, he's going to get out, go get his, um, go get, go to med school and, and do something else, or I don't know what he'll do, but he'll, he'll do something cool for sure. So you've got passion, you've got being in the right place, right time, you know, and the right people. So the fourth key to success that I find is, is pretty prevalent in everybody's stories is that of preparation. And what that means is having the know-how to pull it off. And what, where I find what's interesting, and I think in your story is that preparation sometimes comes in the most unlikely of scenarios your preparation, it seems to me like part of your preparation was the fact that you just, you sucked at the corporate world. It didn't, that prepared you for something different, but what else prepared you for your success in real estate? Uh, college athletics and lifelong athletics, basically. So I, I went to university of Texas on a, a soccer scholarship. Um, but I learned it, I was probably in junior high when I realized, okay, because I, I always wanted to get out of Mississippi and I was trying to think how I could do that. And it was in junior high that I was like playing on the varsity soccer team that everybody was like, oh, you're going to play in college. And I started thinking about it. I'm like, all right, this is my ticket out of Mississippi. All right, I'm going to get really good at soccer. So um, I, I'm very used to, uh, I don't want to say pain, but like you know, endurance sports. I've run marathons and then soccer, you know, two a days in the Mississippi heat every single summer. You just kind of learn what hard work feels like and not just quitting when you get uncomfortable. So definitely a lot of the stuff that I learned just psychologically, just how to push through stuff from athletics has definitely translated over to the entrepreneurship world. Well, I was not prepared for that answer, <laughs> I, I, but, but I love it. I, I love that. And like I said, at the beginning, when I was asking the question, it's sometimes our preparation comes from most unlikely places. And I remember I had a guest on the show one time uh, early on in the recordings and we were recording live in person. He was sitting across from me and we talked about some of these things and, and he had never thought about what happened early in his life and how it led to where he is now. And he broke down. He's like, man, we got to stop recording because he had not thought about it. And I think that entrepreneurs listening to the show need to understand that just because you want to go into something doesn't mean you're prepared for it. Maybe think, you know, dig back deep where, what, what qualities and characteristics do you have? What mental fortitude do you have that could prepare you for some specific type of entrepreneurship? So thank you for mentioning that. What, what position did you play in soccer? I was a goalkeeper, believe it or not. <laughs> goalkeeper well yeah. i've never seen you in person so i don't know how tall you are but i would assume Not. you're <laughs> no so that's what uh goalkeepers are typically like 5 10 5 11 and and big and i was the my entire college career i was like i'm 5 7 so decent but uh like 125 130 and i was just really quick so i definitely was not the uh the stereotypical goalkeeper build. <laughs> well, I didn't play in college, but I did play in high school. And I was, uh, I was, all, I was a goal. I was one of the goalies. I wasn't the top goalie, but I was one of the goalies. So I, I understand that. So, all right, let's talk about the fifth key. So you got passion, 
be in the right place, the right time, knowing the right people, preparation. And the last one's plan. And I already know the answer to this, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ask it anyway, but you, but plan means what, how are you going to accomplish it? What, how are you going to deploy the financial capital to become successful? And you told the story of how Luke said, listen, $20 a day, baby. That's it. You're not getting anything else. We're going to save up this money and we're going to do this. That is what I hear from your story was your plan to actually pull this off. But that was property number one. But mm-hmm. but that's property one. How did you, what was your plan to end up selling a billion dollars in real estate? How did you deploy the capital to make that happen? So for the sales side, that has been more of like, a, okay, this is what we do. We don't, we don't just sell the property to you and say goodbye. I hope you enjoy your short-term rental. Uh, Don't call us anymore. We have a whole training program where we teach you everything that you need to know about how to manage it remotely, which is what made us the most money. So now you can make the most money and you will be successful. So I think by helping people become successful, instead of just selling them a house and saying, see you later, um, that has what's been, what's grown our business the most. So I've really just had to like hire more people and hire more people. There was never a plan that said, I want to get to this amount of sales. Like my plan when I first started was just to make a hundred thousand dollars a year. Like I just wanted to make a nice, comfortable living and it's exceeded that the first year. So, um, there hasn't, there's not been a set plan or goal necessarily with the short-term shop other than, okay, there's, we have about 30 more people that need help doing it, this than I can help. So now I need to hire some agents. And so now we're just constantly hiring agents and hiring more people so that we can streamline the process for our clients and make sure that they're getting the best learning experience they can. Cause anybody can sell a house. Like my dachshund can write a contract on a house, but it's the making you successful part. That is our goal, but there hasn't necessarily been a plan to get to that other than we have more people than we can service. So let's bring in some more people to help them. Okay. I, I appreciate the honesty in that. I, I, I think that the plan, I love, I love it when I talk to people who have uh, lots of zeros in their net worth and what they've been able to build, say, yeah, I just originally wanted to make six figures. <laughs> it's so far, so long ago in the past. I remember being, I remember early twenties, I got a job and, um, you know, early my, my wife and I got married when we were 20 and 19. So we, we started behind the start line because we got married so early, but I remember having a job and, and one of my coworkers was celebrating. He said, if I keep this up, I'll make $50,000 this year. And, and I was thinking, man, I don't know if I'll ever get there. And then of course you get past that and you want to get a hundred thousand. It's funny how our goals grow through success. And that's what I like about success is that, yeah, you're going to get there, but it's not a finish line. It always moves. You get to that one. You want to go to the next one. You go to the next one. So when do you think you'll hit 2 billion in sales? I mean, you did half a, half a billion last year, over half a billion. When do you think you'll hit 2 billion next year? Uh, we, we might, we may hit the billion mark, uh, sorry, the 2 billion mark the end of this year. So we're on track. I mean, it's only January, but basing our numbers this January off last January, if the rest of the year continues the way that it is, we will do a billion this year alone. Wow. That that's phenomenal. Congratulations. You deserve <laughs> claps. I don't have, I don't have any sound effects where I'd put sound effects in right now. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to working with you on, uh, on getting into our short-term holy uh, uh, building an empire, hopefully. Um, but we're going to start with one or two properties and, and see what happens, but uh, I'm really excited to work with you and your team. Everybody's been fantastic so far. So this is uh this is really cool. Now, how how I'm sure I'm absolutely positive there are some real estate entrepreneurs listening to this show right now. So, it, what would you say? What's your piece of advice to them? They haven't started yet. What 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 do you say? This is what you should do. Stick to what you know. So, I when I first got my license, I was still trying to like do all kinds of real estate. Like, let me sell your primary home. Let me help somebody buy your primary home. And I did not actually, the gas pedal did not get pushed all the way down on my success until I said, I'm not trying to sell this kind of real estate anymore. I'm focusing on my short terms uh, or on selling short terms um, because I wasn't good at selling primary homes. But what really like pushed it over the edge was a friend of mine from Texas, her parents were moving to middle Tennessee and she, she sent them to me to help them find a house. They ran me all over. Middle Tennessee for four weekends straight. 
And I mean, they would want to look at something in Clarksville, which is way up by Kentucky, and then also want to look at something like way down on the Alabama line in the same day. And so we're, we're talking six, seven, eight hour days, 12 hour days, sometimes every weekend for four weeks. And then they fired me because we were in one of these weird little towns, three hours from Nashville, looking at a mobile home. And I did not know where to find the serial number on this $50,000 mobile home. Keep in mind, I just sold like three or $4 million worth of short-term rentals the month before, but I didn't want to pigeonhole myself. I never wanted to be the short-term rental girl. Cause I said, you're pigeonholing yourself. You don't want to do that. But after driving away from that, I said, I'm not selling this stuff anymore. I am not that person. I'm this person over here. This is where my money's coming from. So I'm going to focus on where the money's coming from. And that's what I'm going to do. So I would say to a new agent, focus on what you know. So if you're selling primary homes and you're a, I'm trying to think of something that's not a fair housing violation and you're 21 and you want to focus on first time home buyers because that's what you just were. You just bought your first house, then do that. Or if you are, you know, coming from the tech sector, like you've had a tech job and you're sick of your, that job and you want to be a real estate agent. Well, focus on people in the tech world and finding them properties. So stick to what you know, it's okay to niche down. Don't the pigeonhole thing. That's a myth. And I had to learn that the hard way. Well, I heard, I heard one of my mentors tell me a long time ago that the word focus is really important and it stands for follow one course until successful. And that seems to be what you've done. You followed one course and you've become successful and that's in short terms, selling short terms and vacation rentals. And uh, so I think that's great advice. Stick to what you know. Now, how would people get in touch with you? I'm sure somebody wants to reach out and they want to know, Hey, I, I like this lady. She's successful. And I want to, I want to follow in her footsteps. How would, what's the best way for people to reach out to you? So you can follow me on Instagram. It's at the short-term shop, or you can go to our website to schedule a consultation. If you want to buy a house with us at the shop.com. the shop.com or the short-term shop on Instagram, right? Mm -hmm. Now you also have, I think I heard on your podcast and correct me if I'm wrong, but you, I know you have a private group for your clients that actually are buying and selling with you, but you have now, I think you said uh, an open one that's for potential. Is that right? Yes. Yes. So that one, I guess we haven't talked about the book yet that the public group, for those of you who want to just learn more from other investors in the short-term space is the same title of my book called short-term rental, long-term wealth that came out in October, November. And it was number one in four categories on Amazon, which is, it seems ridiculous to me. It's absurd, but. So you can, so you got a book, tell, tell, just give me a brief thesis and synopsis of that book. What was the book about? The first half, it, basically it's a, an overview, a primer on how to buy a short-term rental. So the first half is how to choose a market, how to build your buying team, how to analyze a market, how to analyze a property, how to, and the contract process. And then the second half is how to manage it remotely. So you don't have to pay a property manager. I love that. I love that part of it because that's, I'm the exit guy. I teach people how to exit their businesses without selling them so they can live the exit lifestyle. And I can teach you how to do it without doing it in real estate. But I know in real estate, that's the plan. You want to make sure that you're not having to flush the, or fix the toilets and do all that stuff. You could figure out how to make it work without having to be involved. So, well, Avery, I'm going to give you the last word. If there's anything else you want to say to the listeners, I'm going to give you the last word before we sign off today. Okay. So I guess I will give you a little bit of advice that I give other people that has worked for me is a ready, fire, aim. So learn as you go. Don't wait until you decide it's the perfect time because it's never going to be the perfect time. That is very true. Well, Avery, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been an honor and I can't wait to work with you and your team to really dig into my own empire in the short terminal shop. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, there you have it. Another very successful entrepreneur, Avery Carl, has sold a billion dollars worth of short-term rentals and long-term and vacation rentals. Um, and just in about six years, L listen, I don't care who you are, where you live, what you're doing, you can be successful. If you apply these keys, just like she did passion, place, people, preparation and plan, you can do this. What is it that you're passionate about? What, wh who are, where, what place are you in? What people do you know? What is, what's prepared you? She talked about college athletics and uh, preparing her in a way that she didn't expect, and her plan to take that $20 a day stipend that her husband gave her 
and, and himself, not, not just to her, but they figured out how to, how to endure and get to the place where they bought their first property and then the next and the next and next. And before you know it, they're doing a billion dollars a year. This the year 22 is going to be a billion dollar year for them. That is absolutely phenomenal. And I'm, I congratulate her. I'm so glad that she was on the show today. Now, let me say this at the, at the, as you, as you think about, well, how am I going to get to where I need to go? You need a coach. I'm hiring Avery to coach me and her team are going to, they're going to coach me through short-term rentals. I I'm, I'm in the process of making some big moves myself. I'm, I'm, I'm planning to sell my own primary residence. I'm going to take all the capital that, because the house is appreciated so much. I'm going to roll that into short-term rentals. We're going to, we're going to live in a rental for a while because we believe that right now is the time I'm going to, I'm going to go through a short period of not living in the house that, you know, we live in a very nice house now. We're going to be going to a rental, but I'm doing that because I see the potential of what, for me, short-term rentals can add to my portfolio as I purchase other businesses and I continue to grow my coaching platform. I want to offer you an opportunity to get involved in my coaching platform. It's only $55 a month to become a member of the successful entrepreneur. I, I provide live group coaching every single week, almost every single week to all my members in the TSE, the successful entrepreneur. And it's only $55 a month, dollar for dollar. It's the best coaching dollar you're ever going to spend. I do twice a month. I do an open group coaching Q and a, so you can, you and everybody else who's in the program can log in. And I do in one hour called ask Jason live where I, you just ask me live questions live there. And I answer them the best that I can and provide that. And then there's also a, a content library with all the previous recordings of Ask Jason Live. I also do a success lecture once a month where I talk about things like how to double your revenue without increasing fixed overhead or how to stay laser focused on your vision. We talked about focus today in the show with Avery. That's also included. And then I also do two entrepreneur master series every month, which I'm going to ask Avery to come on and be one of my guests, a master's on that show. And we talk about, it's kind of a, pro, it's a program, 90 minute program twice a month where you can log on as a member of TSC and watch me talk to someone and we dive deep. Like today was about her story. It was not surface level, but it was kind of the high end stuff to when she comes on the EMS or the entrepreneur master series, we're going to do a deep dive into how she did it. How can we could do How do we do it? Where do you get the money? How do you get the money? That's what you get access to. It's only $55 a month. Go to therealjasonduncan.com slash T-S-E, as in the successful entrepreneur. Therealjasonduncan.com slash T-S-E. Sign up today. What are you waiting for? This is going to change your life. Getting access to the coaching that I provide, plus access to all of the members all over the world through the online forums that we've created on our website. So go to therealjasonduncan.com slash TSE and sign up today. Well, tune in again next week when I talk with yet another very successful entrepreneur about his or her journey to success and how these five keys of success played into their story of success. Until then, I'm the real Jason Duncan and Jesus is King. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with The Real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, we invite you to visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Take charge of your business. Grow it from great to incredible. Join us again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.